0: You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah chapter 28 in your Bibles, please. And we're continuing our series on the book of Jeremiah and Uh, We're going to take a break here soon. We'll finish it eventually. We'll take a break here soon on these Wednesday nights, but I want to share tonight uh, something that uh, God has given me. I hope it'll be a blessing to you. It says in verse number 1 of Jeremiah 28, it came to pass the same year in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, the king of Judah, in the fourth year, in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azar the prophet, which was of Gibeon, he spake unto me in the house of the Lord in the presence of the priests and of all the people, saying. Now, this is important to note that Jeremiah is recording this for us, but he's not the one that's speaking right now. He says, this other prophet, we'll use that term loosely, this other prophet, Hananiah, He came, he showed up in the temple, and he said, I have a word from the Lord, and I want you to hear it. And so, here it is, verse number two. This is what the other prophet, Hananiah, has to say. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Now, that's significant because in the last chapter, Jeremiah said that the king of Babylon, he's going to put a yoke. He's going to to lock you up. He's going to bind you. He's going to chain you. He's going to uh, be your master. You're going to serve him. And now this prophet comes on the scene and says, within two full years, excuse me, uh, verse number two, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Verse three, within two full years, will I bring again into this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried them to Babylon. Now, hang on. This is a different message than what Jeremiah has been preaching. Jeremiah said, you're going into captivity in Babylon, and does anybody remember how many years? Seventy years. Now, this Yehu comes on the scene And he says, oh no, folks, it's all under control. Within two years, less than two years, mark my words, all those vessels are coming back. And then he says in verse number four, and I will bring again to this place, and he's saying, this is what God said, that's what he's saying. I will bring again to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah that went into Babylon, saith the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. I want us to look tonight for a few moments on how we as God's people must stay anchored to the truth. Because did you know there are voices out there, and I'll tell you where they're coming from. They're coming from the father of all lies. They're coming from the devil. And he would love to deceive you. He would love to fool you. He would love to trick you into believing something different than the word of God. But I'm glad to tell you tonight that we have the truth. We have the word of God. And we don't have to wonder. We don't have to guess. We don't have to uh, uh, sit back and scratch our head and wonder who's telling the truth. If somebody's telling it from the Bible, you can count on it, it's true. If somebody's trying to tell you their ideas and it's contrary to the Bible, then I can guarantee you that is false. But how can we be anchored to the truth? Lord, help us, I pray, speak to our hearts and give us what we need from the word of God tonight, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice a couple things about Hananiah, and I want you to realize that Hananiah Although he was coming with a different message, Hananiah did not appear to be the enemy. Did you know Satan is so clever? Satan doesn't show up on your doorstep with horns and a pitchfork and the most hideous, disgusting look on his face, ready, (laughs) I'm gonna get you. That's not how Satan's gonna trick most Christians. Most Christians and most people out there He's gonna trick you by telling you something that sounds really good. And as a matter of fact, it might even sound like it would be a good thing. The problem is that it's contrary to the Word of God. Notice about Hananiah, number one. Hananiah claimed to be a prophet. He claimed to be a prophet of God. He didn't come in and say, I'm gonna teach you people how to worship Satan. He didn't come in and say, all right. We're having having a wicked party, and we're going to do all these godless vile. No, no. He said, hey, I got a message from God. I'm a prophet from God. He claimed to be speaking on behalf of God. Now, I want to remind us as Christians, we are God's children, right? If you're saved, you're God's child. If you're a Christian, you are an ambassador for God. If you are a Christian, you are a messenger of God. You've been given a message. That's why it's important that we give the right message. Um, If you know with children, some of you grandparents in here, you you may be, you know, you just think your grandchildren never make any mistakes, never do anything wrong. But for us parents, we know the truth. Uh, And have you ever heard your child, overheard your child telling one of their siblings, Daddy said, don't do fill in the blank. And you're around the corner thinking, I never said that. As a matter of fact, I never said anything close to that. I never even thought of that. But you've got one child trying to tell another child, here's what the father said. I want to tell you, as God's people, we better be very careful of the things we tell people. Oh, here's what you need to do or here's what you need to do. That's why it's important that we know what the Bible says. Because we need to tell people, hey, here's what you need to do. You need to do what God has said. Hananiah is speaking on God's behalf, supposedly. Hananiah was the son of a prophet. Now, I can say this because my wife and I, we are preacher's kids, and we've got some other preacher's kids in here who we could uh, tell stories probably all night long. But can I tell you, just because someone is a preacher's kid, that doesn't always mean that what they're telling you is true. And we won't even get started on the deacons, kids. Let me tell you, no, no, no we, won't, we won't throw them under the bus. But this Hananiah, he was the son of a prophet. He was speaking in the house of God. He was in the temple saying, all right, I got a message from God. It sure sounded good. He was speaking in the presence of all the priests. All the people were there and they were listening and they were eating it up. They were soaking it in. Here's another thing. His message was a positive message. It was making the people feel really good. They were so discouraged because Jeremiah said, you're going into captivity for 70 years. And this guy comes on and says, oh no, you're not going into captivity. The captives are coming home to us. Within two years, we're going to have this whole place back. It's going to be wonderful. Sounded good. It was a positive message. As a matter of fact, this prophet was pretty confident in what he was saying. He wasn't saying this is a possibility. He wasn't saying we're kind of hoping this works out. He says it will happen. Say, how do we know he was confident? He gave a guarantee. He said within two years... You can mark it down within two years, the the vessels are coming back, the captives are coming back, our king is coming back. It's all going to happen. The vessels coming back, that'd be a good thing. The king coming back, that'd be a good thing. All of the, the captives, the young men, all the princes, all of the children that have been kidnapped, all those people, I'm sure the parents were rejoicing, saying, what an answer to prayer." He even said that Nebuchadnezzar would lose his control and lose his grip on Judah. This was a feel-good kind of preacher. And Jeremiah, on the other hand, was viewed as a doom and gloom preacher. Jeremiah was negative. He was always preaching against sin, and he was telling them how bad it was. So Hananiah's message sounded really, really good. But there's a problem. The problem is, none of it was true. Can I tell you, if I didn't have to preach the Bible, if I did not have to preach what the Bible says, I don't blame preachers that just try to make people feel good because they're not messengers of God. They're just in a popularity contest. They're just trying to get more money and get more fame and get more followers and get more people to to, to clap for them. But as a preacher, I have a responsibility to you and I have a responsibility to God not to preach what sounds good, but to preach what the Bible says. The problem was for the people of Judah is that all of this good was supposed to happen, but they had never repented. They had never obeyed God. They had never realized their error and they had never gotten things right. Notice verse number five. Here's Jeremiah's initial response and the Bible does not say that God spoke to him and gave them this response, but here was his response. He said to Hananiah and all the priests and all the people there, he said, amen. Notice what he says in verse six, sounds good to me. Hey, great. More power to you, buddy. That's wonderful. (laughs) The only problem is, he said, verse number seven, he said, nevertheless, hear thou now this word that I speak in thine ears and in the ears of all the people, the prophets that have been before me. He said, there's a problem, Hananiah. The prophets before me, the prophets of old, the prophets of yesteryear, they prophesied against many countries. They prophesied judgment. They prophesied and there was war and there was evil and there was pestilence. And so I'm not the first one to be preaching something negative. And those guys preached and guess what? It came to pass. It happened like they said. And then verse number nine, the prophet which prophesieth of peace, when the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known that the Lord hath truly sent him. So here's what Han- what Jeremiah said to Hananiah. He said, Hananiah, here's the test. Here's how we know who's really from God. If what you say comes to pass, then that's our that's your approval. But if it doesn't come to pass, you're a liar. You're a you're a con. You're you're a you're a you're a, you're a trickster is what you are. In verse number 10, Hananiah didn't like that very much. Hananiah took offense to that. And then Hananiah the prophet, he took the yoke from off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and he broke it. Now in the previous chapter, Jeremiah had actually made a wooden yoke like you would put on an animal. And he had that as a visual and he said, hey, this is what Nebuchadnezzar is gonna do to you. And Hananiah goes over to Jeremiah I don't imagine he asked politely. I don't imagine he took it off gently. I imagine he yanked that thing off of Jeremiah and Hananiah breaks that yoke and says, oh no, Jeremiah, God's going to break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar within the space of two full years. And it says the prophet Jeremiah went his way say, why did he go his way? He probably was afraid he was going to have to knock out Hananiah, you know, and get in the flesh and and to react. But then verse 12, here we see the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the prophet. Isn't it good to know that God is speaking and that God has a message and that God knows exactly what we're going through and God wants to give us what we need for today. And the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the prophet, after that Hananiah had broken the yoke from off the neck of the prophet, saying, Go and tell Hananiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Thou hast broken the yokes of wood, but thou shalt make for them yokes of iron. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, I have put a yoke of iron upon the neck of all these nations, that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him. And I have given him the beasts of the field also." Jeremiah said, hey, Hananiah, God's not only going to make you and all the people and every person serve Nebuchadnezzar, he's even going to be in charge of the animals. He said, this is serious business and it's going to be a yoke of iron. Verse 15, then said the prophet Jeremiah unto Hananiah, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust in a, what's the next word? A lie. He said, You are lying to these people and you are causing them to believe the lie that you have told them. Therefore, thus saith the Lord Behold, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth. This year thou shalt die because thou hast taught rebellion. Rebellion is to be drawn away, rebellion is to turn aside from the things of God. And Jeremiah said, You're supposed to be a prophet. And you're responsible for God's people rebelling against him. In verse number 17, so Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. Literally within two months, Hananiah was dead. And Jeremiah was validated. Jeremiah's message was verified because he said, this is what's going to happen And it happened. Now, I want you to notice very quickly, we've gone through the the text. I want to draw your attention for just a few moments on this verse, verse number 15. Jeremiah said to Hananiah, and notice what it says, Hananiah the prophet, he was known as a prophet. He was referred to as a prophet, but he caused the people to trust in a lie. Did you know there are people out there today, there may be some in this room, there may be some that are watching the service, there may be some that are listening to the service tonight, and you, whether you know it or not, I don't know, that's between you and the Lord, but you have been lied to. Satan has fooled you, Satan has deceived you, Satan has convinced you. And by the way, Satan is the master deceiver. You don't think Satan's good at deceiving. Guess what he did in the Garden of Eden, in a perfect environment where there was no sin, in a place where Adam and Eve walked with God and they talked to God face to face, in person every single day, and yet Satan was smooth enough to make them believe that God did not care about them and that they knew more than God. And if Satan could fool Adam and Eve, I got news for all of us. We are no match for Satan. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. And he causes people in churches. He causes people out in the world. He causes people to believe his lies every single day. Let me give you quickly a few lies that Satan wants you to believe. Number one, Satan wants you to believe, and this is in no particular order, and I won't get through all of them, but there are many. I'll give you a few. Number one, Satan wants you to believe that there are no absolutes. Satan wants you to believe that. He wants you to believe that truth is relative. Truth is situational. Truth is whatever you want it to be. Truth is... You can get to heaven uh, this way. You can get to heaven through this person. You can get to heaven through this church. You can do it however you want, as long as, you, as, long as you have a good heart, you know? That's not true. The Bible says there are absolutes, and there's only one way to heaven. I'm amazed at how many people I talk to that have grown up in churches and who I would think have a knowledge of God and a knowledge of the Bible, and you ask them, you say, are you sure you're going to heaven? And they say, I hope so. I think so. I've been going to this church, not this church, but I've been going to this church for a long time. And you know why they believe that? Because somebody lied to them, and his name is the devil. He lied to them to make them think that they had to be a church member to get to heaven. He lied to them to make them think that they had to get dunked in a baptistry or he made them think that they had to do a lot of good things to get to heaven. But friend, I got news for you. A person does not get to heaven by doing good works. A person gets to heaven by accepting the gift of eternal life and it's only through the mercy and the grace of God. But Satan wants you to believe there's no absolute authority. There's no absolute right or wrong. Well, we're living in that world today. And you know how we know it? Because this world is calling what is right, wrong, and what is wrong, right. And people are so confused. My heart breaks for the young people who are on the television and on the internet and on their cell phones and they're on all this social media and they no longer have any clue of what is right and what is wrong because the world has said, you do whatever you want. Whatever makes you feel good, it's okay. Don't, don't, let, don't let a church, don't let a pastor, don't let your parents, don't let any teacher, anybody tell you that what you're doing is wrong. Well, I got news for us, there are absolutes. There is right and there is wrong. The book of Judges shows us that every person did that which was right in their own eyes. And guess what? That was a disaster. That was a mess. They were living in chaos and they were living in anarchy and they were living in some of the most gross and vile and hideous sins you could ever imagine. And they were doing what they thought was right rather than what God thought. Satan would love for you to believe there are no absolutes. Satan is an amazing salesman. And I'm not trying to say that if you're a good salesman, you're of the devil, that's not true at all. But you know how sometimes sales work? You know, you've been there. I'm just looking around the room to make sure we don't have any salesmen. This, today, right now, this is your last chance. That car, if you don't buy it today, right now, you're not gonna get it. And what the salesman doesn't tell you is there's 10 others out back, you know, and they're all there. This is our big end of the month sale. Well, guess what? There's 12 months in the year, and every month has an end, you know, and every end of the month, you know, there's always something. Here's a good one. Joanna and I, we used, to, we used to love this. There was a store we used to uh, shop at and Joanna used to get a lot of the, the clothes and stuff for the groups we traveled with. And there was a store that they would have these discounted prices and sale prices and all that. Well, then uh, they, they, they changed all of that. And so when they changed all of that, they would take the original price and they would put a higher sticker on that just to make it look like you were still getting this great deal. And the truth is, the original price was $19.99, and they put a sticker on top of that that said $29.99, and then guess what? You get 33% off. Isn't that an amazing? I mean, it's like, wow, that's an amazing deal. Or here's a good one. I remember I never understood this when I was a boy. There was a furniture store in Rockford, Illinois. I lived in Rockford, for 15 years, and it was going out of business all 15 years that I lived there. I mean, it was, do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it was everything must go. Going out of business must clear everything out, and it was doing that for 15 years. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that if we're not careful, we'll believe something that is not true. Satan wants you to believe there are no absolutes. Genesis 3, Satan came to Eve and he said, Hath God really said, did God really say that you would die if you... Oh, no, no. Thou shalt not surely die. And I tell you, anybody that contradicts God is a liar. And Satan is a liar. Satan wants you to believe there are no absolutes. He wants you to believe you just do whatever you want. Satan wants you to believe that you can get saved later. Maybe there's someone here tonight. Maybe there's someone watching or listening. And Satan's been telling you for a long time, you're not saved, but it's okay. You can get saved later. There may never be a later. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. That's a lie. Satan will tell you, you can get right with God later. Maybe there's something in your life that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you about. And every time you get ready to get it right or you get ready to deal with it, Satan whispers in your ear and says, you don't have to do that right now. What, 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 would, what would they think? Oh, just, just take care of it later. Satan wants you to think that God doesn't love you. Satan wants you to believe that God doesn't care about you. Satan wants you to believe that God is good to everybody else, but he's not good to you. Satan wants you to believe that God doesn't make mistakes with other people, but God made a mistake in your life Friend, I got news for you. God doesn't make any mistakes with anybody. And God loves you and God is good to you and God is good to me. And don't fall for the lie of the devil. Here are God's people in Jeremiah 28. They were sold a lie. It sounded so good, but the problem is it was not true. Satan wants you to believe that God is not listening to you. Your prayers are a waste of time. Your prayers aren't even getting above the ceiling. And Satan will want to convince you. You say, why? Because Satan knows the power in prayer. And Satan knows what happens when God's people get serious about prayer. Satan will lie to you and say, you have messed up too bad. God could never use you. You've just done too much bad. You've gone too far. You've made such a mess of your life. And there's no way that God can use you. That's a lie. Because where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And I'm glad that God's mercy never runs out and God's grace never runs out. Satan wants you to believe that people don't want to get saved. Satan will tell you that. That person, they don't want to get saved. If you witness to them, you're just wasting your time. Oh, that person will never get saved. Oh, that person's not interested. You know what's been wonderful about this COVID is we've seen people get saved through COVID. And you know, some people say, oh, well, people can't get saved. Well, guess what? People can get saved because God's still in the saving business. And the the lockdowns didn't shut God down. Aren't you glad for that? And people are getting saved. And we've had people getting saved and getting baptized. And I met with a couple today. They want to get baptized. They want to join the church. And can I tell you, God is still in the saving business. Don't let Satan lie to you. Satan will say this. Church, going to church, listening to the preaching, listening to the teaching, being with God's people is not that important. And I understand we're in the middle of COVID right now. I'm not talking about people that are not here tonight. I'm talking about before COVID. I'm talking about when COVID is done. And I'm talking about where Satan will give you 101 things that you could do besides go to church. And can I tell you, I'm sure there's more than that. And Satan will give you every excuse and Satan will give you every reason not to go to church and not to listen to the preaching and not to go to Sunday school and not to get under the teaching of the Bible. And Satan will tell you it's not that big of a deal. But what you don't realize is that we're in a battle. We are in a battle, a spiritual battle. We're in a battle against Satan himself. And of course, Satan doesn't want you to go to church because he's trying to defeat you. He's trying to destroy you. As Christians in 2020, we play far more than we pray. We want to be entertained. We find every excuse under the sun why we don't need the church and why we don't need the fellowship and why we don't need the preaching and the exhortation. But I want to tell you that is a lie from the devil that the church is not important. It is vitally important not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as we see the day approaching. Satan wants you to believe that giving is optional. Now, I love, I love talking to some of our folks who've been in church a long time and who you just got it instilled in you that we give because the tithe belongs to God. And by the way, the tithe belongs to God. It's not even ours to decide. It's not even ours to say, well, I think I might. I I don't know, maybe I will, maybe I won't. I love talking to the older generation. And I love hearing some of you, I love hearing some of you actually get fired up. Like, I can't believe people don't understand this. And I can't believe people don't do this. I've been doing this for so many years and God's blessed me and God's met my needs. And I can't imagine not tithing. But can I tell you, Satan wants you to believe that giving is optional. Satan wants you to believe that it's not that big of a deal. He doesn't want you to read in the book of Malachi where the question is asked, will a man rob God? I'm not planning to rob anybody. But if I were, the last person I'd want to rob would be God. Can I tell you, that is what is, it, it is described as when a person does not give God what belongs to him, the tithe. Will a man rob God? Malachi asked. And the people said, wherein have we robbed thee? And God said, in tithes and in offerings. Satan wants you to believe giving is, not, it is optional. It's no big deal. But in reality, it is a big deal. Next, he said, I thought you weren't going give, to give us all of them. Well, I'm not giving you all of them, I'm just giving you a few. Satan wants you to believe that you don't have to be different from the world. That's what Satan wants you to believe. Satan wants you to believe that the more you will be like the world, the more influence you'll have over them. And the more opportunities you'll have to reach them. You know, you gotta be like them so you can win them. I got a question for you. If you become like the world, what are you gonna win them to? You know what the world needs? The world needs somebody who's real close to jesus and somebody that is close to god and somebody that is holy and somebody that is different the world needs somebody that is different so that that person can actually make a difference in their life if you're just like the world if i'm just like the world what do we have that the world would ever want if we're just like they are satan wants you to believe that social drinking is not a big deal Immoral behavior and adultery and affairs and and cursing and all those things. Ah, it's, It's just the culture. Everybody's doing it. God has called us to be separate, to be different, to be set apart from the world. And I'll give you another one and I'll be done. Satan will tell you the lie that God just wants you to be happy. And that sounds good, doesn't it? God just wants you to be happy. Whatever it takes for you to be happy, then just go ahead and do it because God wants you to be happy. You'll have to show me that verse because I haven't found that one. I know as Christians, we're supposed to be joyful. I know as Christians, we're supposed to rejoice, but I find that we were not created so that we would be happy. We were created to make him happy. And you know what's a wonderful thing? When you please the Lord, you find joy for yourself. When you do what God wants, God says, if you'll delight in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. God has not called us to be happy. That's not the goal. The goal is for us to be holy. And Satan loves to tell us the lies. And Satan would love to convince us. That's why we gotta get back to the Bible and get back to the truth so we do not fall for the lies of the devil.